Welcome to Kingdom Perspectives. My name is Simone Turner, and it's my privilege to host you for today's podcast. Kingdom Perspectives is all about getting God's perspective on life, culture, and ministry. In a world of increasing noise and deception, we need to cut through the confusion and complexity of the times we live in and get God's perspective on our lives. I encourage you to click on the subscribe button to automatically receive this podcast on a weekly basis. Also, if you'd like to leave us a brief review, that would be a great blessing to us. Today, I'd like to introduce to you Pastor Corey Turner, or also sometimes I call him my hot husband. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Trying to think of all the nicknames you have. I think it's important to share with the world. Oh, well, thank you. I feel encouraged, <laughs> feel very exhorted. And feel free, anybody out there, to uh, send him a message with a bit of a dig about these nicknames that, that I'm sharing with you. We're actually sharing today our recording from our home during this uh, season of our COVID. Our makeshift studio. How are you finding that? It's actually working well. I don't know how it will come out on the uh, actual recording, but I think it's no. working well. We're enjoying it. We are. Yeah, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? And Anna, our producer, is doing an amazing job. She is amazing. Yeah, she gets to listen to all our fun jokes. But today, one of your uh, favourite subjects we get to talk about, you love to talk, so therefore you love to preach. Um, We're going to be talking about preaching and... I am supposed to make a comment about how awesome a preach you are. Is that, no, is that no, what you see, wanted me you're to just say? Spo- it's supposed to be very natural. Just supposed to be a natural. Like, this is me such being Such an natural. amazing communicator. Not like, what can I come up with? What can I make up to satisfy the podcast script? That, this, that's where it's at. Well, no, friends. In all honesty, he is one of my favorite preachers. No, that's good. I'm not just saying that. Only I've one of that. Okay. Yes, one of. Because oh. I don't have favorites. Okay. Um, but honestly, you are a great preacher. You're good at communicating, um, but not just at communicating. You're good at talking. And uh, Anna has said that you've got a very good vocabulary, but you are really good at translating the word of God and helping people relate and understand. Is that better? Is that good? Oh, that's so encouraging. That was really genuine. I meant yeah. that. Mm. So, to start us off today, can you share with us your journey of growth in your preaching ministry? Tell us a story. Hopefully, we've come a long way. I can still remember the first uh, sermon that I ever prepared. It was 11 pages long. Uh, It lasted an hour. Wow, 11. It was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gosh. And... um, and I even got people up halfway through it to give each other a back massage. <laughs> Have just, a bit of a stretch. Just to keep people engaged. <laughs> Don't fall asleep. That's right. And every um, thing I said was manuscripted out. So even like the welcome to everyone, it was all a big sentence. <laughs> I think we need to get that uh, I've still got it. sermon and like publish it somewhere. <laughs> no, let's not publish it. There's probably a lot of heresy in it. But um, God used it, actually. That was the uh, beginning of God opening doors for my ministry. And uh, things have come a long way since then. I've learned a lot about um, not just the process of preaching, but delivery of communication. And I've come to really appreciate the whole process. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what 
I really want to unpack and and share with people. And I think um, wherever you are at in as a communicator, as a teacher, or the preachers out there, or someone who maybe not is a preacher or, or doesn't feel called to preach before a, a large congregation at all, there are things that we can learn about communication, yeah, and there great. are things that we can learn about. Um, uh, sharing the word with people that hopefully today will really give a foundation to. Yeah, looking forward to it. Can you tell us what does your preaching preparation look like? Um, I'm sure there's a lot involved. Yeah. Um, and I know you've done even a lot of research in this area to help fellow preachers. So can you give us a bit of a rundown of what that looks like? Yeah, I'm going to give you a bit of a crash course in um, what I do and what I've learned. And keep in mind, I'm condensing 40 years of learnings into a 20-minute podcast. Yeah. So, we'll do our best with that. But but there are a few uh, key tips. One of the things that I've learned is you must build a wall between your study of the actual scripture text and the communication process of that text that you are studying. If you don't build a metaphorical wall, what often happens is is that you begin to draw conclusions about the text um, too quickly and you begin to move straight to how would I communicate it? And then as you begin to think about how you would communicate it, sometimes the, the core essence, the big idea, the underlying themes and context of that particular scripture passage begins to get lost in you just thinking about how do I make this funny? How do I make this yeah. story more colorful? How do I find uh, a relevant illustration or metaphor to explain this truth? And so on one side of the wall uh, is the study process or what we call exegesis, the study and interpretation of the word of God and what God is actually trying to say. And I define that as the, the, the first stage of that is discovering the goal of the text. Okay. You've got to discover what the original author intended, what is God trying to say uh, through this text. And you need to understand that whichever part of the Bible you're reading from or preparing to preach from, that genre of literature will have its own distinctiveness and nuances about it that you need to understand. The wisdom books of Job and Psalm and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, are going to be interpreted a little differently to the epistles or letters of yep. Paul. Same too with the Gospels, same too with the Torah or the historical books of the Bible, as well as looking at apocalyptic literature or prophetic writings. So in discovering the goal of the text, you need to understand some of the context of the actual book that you're studying or the letter that you're studying. And I would encourage you to begin by reading the text repeatedly. Mm -hmm. Get that into your mind, get that into your spirit, just reading it repeatedly and noticing and observing common themes, common words, things that are happening in that text, as well as looking at the context. A text without a context is what we call a proof text. And many texts in the Bible are often taken out of context and are applied in ways that are not necessarily helpful because the context, what comes before that passage and what comes, comes after it, is not really taken into account. 
And then what I do is that as I'm reading that text repeatedly, making sure I've got the context of the passage I'm studying, I begin to write almost like that verse in my own words. I begin to use my own commentary, my own terminology to try and better understand what it is that this text is saying. Then with that, I begin to ask key questions of the text. I ask, well, who was the original writer or author? Um, is there a conversation that's happening in this text between who is that conversation taking place? Uh, to whom is the writer writing to? What are the circumstances and conditions that that audience is facing that uh, presuppose that text being written? I begin to ask questions of what are the, the common themes, common words that are repeating themselves throughout the text? If there's a key word like holy or like spirit, or like Jesus that is being repeated throughout that particular text, it's intended for a purpose. You need to understand it. You need to wrap your mind and heart around it. And then what I do is as I ask those key questions, I may not have all of the answers. Mm. There may be things that I'm just curious about, but I've never actually got an answer because there's not a direct answer in the text that's where I begin to read commentaries. Right. And you can access commentaries online as well as hard copy. However, you can access commentaries on different books of the Bible. I would encourage you that whenever you come to a commentary, look for facts, not conclusions. Right. Often we go to commentaries looking for the final word on something. But if you study 10 different commentaries on one passage of scripture, they all may have a different conclusion. Yeah. But what you will see is a consistency of facts, facts about uh, the questions that you've asked, the audience to whom it's written to, the author and its intended outcome. All of these things will be consistent in a lot of the commentaries. What I do then in discovering the goal of the text is I try and clarify what we call the big idea of that text. And a big idea as it applies to any body of literature, you can apply this to reading a novel, you can apply this to reading a newspaper article, you can apply this to reading a motivational book, a self-help book. Every text has a central idea, what we call a big idea, and it's made up of a subject and a complement. The subject is what is the writer talking about? The complement to that idea is what is the writer saying about what they're talking about? And so one of my chief aims in discovering the goal of the text is to discover what is the writer talking about? What is he saying or she saying about, about what he's talking about? And then um, I begin to ask key questions of those two, two concepts brought together into a central idea. And one of those questions that I ask of that big idea is, so what? What does that now mean? Um, okay, that may be true, but how do I apply it? Where's the practical element in it? What does it point to? Does it point to Jesus? Does it point to the sinfulness of man? What does it point to? And what I do is I try and take that big idea and articulate it in a, in a concise and sticky sentence that uses my words or common language that we would use in our culture to try and make sure that it's as memorable, as engaging, 
and as sticky as possible so that it sticks to people's hearts and it sticks to people's minds. And then out of that, I generally find myself being able to create a title that is connected to that big idea that informs at least the foundation of what I'm now going to look at preaching. Okay, so that's all to do with the text that you're reading, um, the scripture that you've studied. You've taken us through some great questions to ask and things to look for. I love too that you started with um, trying to understand for yourself what the text said before you jumped into other perspectives and opinions. And although that is still an important part of the preparation and is necessary, you actually were asking yourself the questions, what am I seeing? What am I noticing? Holy Spirit, what are you showing me in this yeah, text? It. Yeah, I love that you started with that because I think so many of us can sit, read um, a text in the Bible, a passage, a scripture, and we are so quick to jump to what do the commentaries say? Yeah. And they are a part of assisting us and helping us, but we lose that sense of what's the revelation, the personal revelation. Absolutely. Yeah, so good. So what are some of the key questions you then ask when it comes to your sermon outline? So you've got all of that ready to go. I guess now it's part of how you're communicating. Absolutely. So um, remember what we said at the start is we've built a wall between our study, our exegesis, and the communication process. What I do now is I pull that wall down. Right. And I begin to... I thought we were going to climb it. (laughs) No. I had pictures No, we're pulling it down. We're not building it. We're not climbing it. We're pulling it down. Right. Um, So we, we pull that wall down and we then take all that we've learnt and we enter into the second phase of the preaching process, which for me is developing the sermon outline from the text. Yeah. Okay, really important. So everything I'm about to say to you now is all a part of developing that outline, uh, getting ready to preach. So firstly, you've got to organize the structure of your outline around your big idea. Just as uh, with the trunks of a tree, you have branches that extend out from that trunk. So too, with a sermon and a message, your big idea is the trunk of that tree. But there are secondary points that are like branches that extend out from that big idea Mm. of which you fix your communication ideas and points on. So you've got to start to decide with that big idea, what shape your outline will take with the big idea in mind. So for some people, they may communicate their big idea up front. Mm -hmm. That may take a level of tension out of their message Mm -hmm. uh, because you've communicated the trunk of your message up front. For others, they may split the big idea up and communicate some of it at the start. And then the rest of their sermon is the answer or the complement to the subject of that big idea. Others on what I prefer is to take the big idea towards the end and the conclusion and actually build tension throughout my message by communicating secondary points to the big central idea at the end of my message, just like a movie has the big reveal, the aha moment, the light bulb moment at the end of the movie. So too, I think that's a good way of communicating because it keeps people engaged in the communication process. And so once I've worked out where I'm going to communicate that big idea, remembering there's no one right way to communicate Mm -hmm. it, I begin to identify secondary main points in the text Mm 
and I write them in a complete sentence. I make sure that each of those points are conversational using my own words, that they're not like alliterated in a way that is just to aid memory, but they're communicated in a way that connects with the everyday common hearer rather than just using the intellectual or theological jargon. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with using theological words as long as you explain those words. And then also I begin to, before each point, write down a transitional statement to actually lead listeners to the next point. There are several reasons why people will check out of a sermon. One is that it's just plain boring Mm -hmm. and you haven't added enough color, enough illustration, Mm -hmm. enough engaging moments in that sermon. But the other reason that people check out of the message is because they can't follow your line of thought. They can't work out how did you get from that point to the next point. And when that happens, it's because you haven't put a sufficient enough segue or transition in that point to be able to actually articulate uh, and move people through the segments of your message. I then, after I put those transition statements in, which are often characterized by a question, I I decide how I'm going to begin in the introduction of the message and how I'll land in the conclusion. With any given sermon, your introduction makes up about 10% of your message. Mm -hmm. And I try and begin as close to the culture and the audience as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. I often use a story from my own life so that people are buying in to me as a speaker and a communicator so that then I can take them on the journey with the rest of my message. Your conclusion will generally make up three to 5% of your message. And it's where you need to land the plane of your message. You can't stay up in at 30,000 feet the entire time. You've got to land your message and you've got to bring it home to people right where they live. And then what I do is as I look at each secondary point in my outline, I begin to flesh each point out. I explain it. I illustrate it. I apply it. I may find stats quotes, stories that are relevant to that point. Mm. I unpack the insight of that point that's connected to the verse or the scripture or the text that I'm actually drawing that point from. And I think, Simone, you've touched on something uh, early in this podcast about coming back to what does the word say? God's word is our foundation. Mm -hmm. And what does God's word say to us? We've got to begin by expounding and communicating insights from the word of God. Mm -hmm. And then that brings me where I, to to your question of what are the key questions that you actually ask of the outline? And there are several, and I've got four basic questions I ask. The first question is an access question. And that is, have I begun as close to the listener as possible? This is all about accessibility. Is the text in the way I'm presenting it and the message that I'm bringing, is it accessible to people? Or is it only accessible to those who are highly theologically educated Mm. or to those, you know, voices in my own brain that sort of can work out what on earth is going on, but no one else can access that? What seems common sense to us is not always common sense to everyone else. We've got to translate that truth so that the listener can actually access it. Mm. The second question I ask is the alignment question. 
Is the body of the outline in unity with the big idea? There's no point having an amazing crystal clear big idea, but all of the the branches and secondary points don't really complement or feed into or align with the big idea. So we've got to make sure that there's alignment. The third question I ask is the application question. This comes back to the so what question. Have I actually applied it to the listener? It's one thing to explain it, but unless you apply it, they don't know what to do about it. Mm. And then the last question I ask is the airplane question, coming back to what I said before, have I landed the sermon with the big idea in mind? It's great to be taking people up at 30,000 feet, but I actually need to bring it to a uh, a bullseye focus, landing that plane, landing that sermon with the crystal clear focus on the big idea. They're some of the questions that I would ask of my outline. Wow. I hope you all got that. I hope you all wrote it down. But because this is a podcast, (laughs) you can pause, you can rewind because there was some gold in there. I think so many great tips, so much great advice. So we've done our own reflection on the text. We've said, okay, what is it that God's speaking to me about? Asking some questions around that. We've smashed down that wall. We've moved into our communication. You've given us some key questions about that. Now, one thing that I think is actually really important before you deliver this message how do you internalize the message how do you um, make sure that it's coming out of your own experience of who you are you're expressing it as you and uh, in a way that is communicated naturally to people i think such an important part of it is that this internalizing can you talk a little bit about that yeah absolutely and this for me is the the third and final phase of my preparation and this is where i'm driving the sermon outline into my mind and heart and i use that word driving very intentionally yeah um the first phase we talked about discovering the goal of the text the second phase developing the sermon outline from the text now we're looking at how do we drive that sucker into Mm. our hearts and minds so that we can communicate it in a very authentic and natural way it begins for me with reading the outline repeatedly yeah and as i read it i edit it one of the big things that a lot of preachers or communicators um miss out on is they think that once they've got their outline yeah well that's it but actually you now need to become like an editor yeah and you need to narrow the focus. Remember, less is more. So you need to narrow the focus to make sure that you take out all the clutter, as good as that story or joke Mm. or this is, Mm. you've got to strip away everything that is going to distract from the core message that you are trying to communicate. So I read repeatedly, I edit as I read, and then what I do is I begin to muse out loud. I love that word muse. It literally (laughs) means to mutter. Um, You're muttering under your breath. You're muttering out loud, and I'm musing out loud the main points, maybe elements of a story that I really want to um, focus in on, and I I start to articulate, language it, and communicate it so that it becomes a part of my vocabulary because I've learned that how something reads on paper is different to how it comes out of your mouth. And it may look good on paper on your outline, but if you can't actually get your language or your mouth around it and when you say it out loud, it can come out very differently. Mm. I begin to visualize the key points in the message. I begin to visualize certain aspects of the story of 
or illustrations so that it's in my mind. It's a picture. My outline is in my mind. The the colors and images and pictures that my words create is in my mind. And then as I visualize it, I begin to verbalize it. And as I verbalize it out loud, it starts to be internalized within me. Mm. And I would probably do go through a message um, when I've got space and time to do all of that, I'd probably go through it two, three, four times, depending upon my comfort level with the uh, yeah. content to make sure that it is as authentic and as natural as what I'm speaking to you right now. And then what I do is I pray that message into my spirit. I begin to take that message into the secret place. It's not enough to communicate a message. The anointing of heaven has to be on that message. And I begin to ask for the overflow of heaven to come upon that word to quicken for God to quicken my mind. My, my heart and my mouth. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I want the anointing on my heart, my mind, to quicken to my mouth. And then I begin to position myself to preach out of overflow. And I'd finally say this to summarize. I heard a really uh, great uh, preacher teaching the art of preaching. He said this, firstly, read yourself full. Secondly, think yourself clear. Thirdly, pray yourself hot. And lastly, preach yourself happy. And uh, for those who are at Numa Church know that I like to use that phrase, I'm preaching myself happy, because at the end of the day, when, you, when you've read yourself full, you've studied the word, you've thought yourself clear on paper, and you pray yourself hot, you can preach yourself happy. Mm. And preaching can become this amazing experience where you feel the surge of the power of God through you as you minister into other people's lives. Well, Pastor Corey, I want to thank you for the way that you do handle God's Word and the way that you spend so much time preparing, reading, researching, just being really genuine, authentic about the way that you communicate the Word of God because we are so blessed by the fact that you use your gift in this way and God uses you incredibly within our church. And thank you so much for sharing that with us today. I know that many people would have appreciated hearing from you on this topic um, and gaining some insight into that. There's a couple of books that you would uh, have available that people can access. Yeah, totally. One of those books is The Supernatural Life, all about the power of the Holy Spirit and my own journey in um, drawing closer to the presence of God. Also, the, uh, a book called Prophetic Vision, uh, which is um, a really powerful book for leaders and people who are just searching for God's answers for their future and how do they see their future clearly. And those books are accessible through our ministry resource center at numa.church. And if they uh, just send an email through, they can access those books online. Well, thank you for listening to Kingdom Perspectives. I'm Simone Turner, and it's been my privilege to host you today. I encourage you to click on the subscribe button to automatically receive this podcast on a weekly basis. Also, if you'd like to leave us a brief review, that would be a great blessing to us. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and I invite you to join us again next week for another edition of Kingdom Perspectives as we get God's perspective on life, culture and ministry. And remember, in all that you do, seek first the kingdom of God.